Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager with Fireside Chat number 246. Megan is due any day. Just want you guys to know. And it was on this Fireside Chat that I found out that she was pregnant to begin with. So taking Megan's place, in case you are curious, is Megan. <laughs> How many Megans do we have at PragerU? Five. Five. Do you know how odd... The, the chances of that are very, very small. We have five Megans working at PragerU, but it makes it easy for the rest of us because if you go, hey, you're doing Megan, you have a real chance of, of, of hitting the jackpot. You, you, you got her name right. Anyway, uh, we do wish her uh, a wonderful, speedy, and, and healthy delivery and... I'll, I'll keep you folks informed. Now, you might notice with Otto that he is missing fur in his hind quarter. That's because he had a leg surgery. He, he is doing so well, he doesn't really even know he had surgery. He, he, is, he, he, he wanted to walk within one day and, in fact, did. He walked up the steps contrary to everything the vet wanted us him to, to prevent him from doing. So that's the update on the guy. I know you're the man. All right. Hi, everybody. So for those of you new to the Fireside Chat, and if you are new, you might want to binge watch a lot of them because a lot of really important things are said. If I'm allowed to say that, am I allowed to say that? Look, this is my view. First of all, I really don't like false modesty. If I don't think there are important things being said, that I'm saying important things on things like this or my radio show, then why would I have the audacity to take up your time? If you don't think you have important things to say, don't take up people's time. So th that's the irony. There's a, it, the, the sin is not thinking you have important things to say. It's thinking you don't have important things to say and taking up people's time to say it. Was that clear? I hope so. Good. Thank you. So I open up with some thoughts on some subject, and here's one I've never talked about, to the best of my knowledge. And I have a minimal hesitation because uh, a, this will no doubt disturb is probably the the best term. Disturb some of you. And I'm okay with that. I'm just asking you to hear me out with an open mind. And I'll happily take your counter thoughts should you have any. I want to talk to you about divorce. I, I am very pro-marriage, as you probably know. Virtually every young person or even middle-aged person I know who's single, I try to find somebody for them. I'm, I'm really out front with my <laughs> pushing that people get married. And I'm, I'm a big supporter of young marriage. If, 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 if he's a good guy and she's a good girl, let them marry and, 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 and wish them well. So I have a, a, a fair number of thoughts, though, to say about divorce now that, now that you are, again, reminded how pro-marriage I am. One thing remains in both categories, marriage and divorce. I, I, I admit 
to not understanding an argument I have heard so often from people on my radio show and just people that I would speak to, very hesitant, even opposed to getting married because their parents divorced. And I admit that it's one of those rare occasions where it's not just that I differ, I don't even understand. I usually understand people with whom I differ. I don't understand that. Your parents divorced or even had an awful divorce, and therefore what? Therefore, you're scared of marrying because you might divorce too? So I have an analogy that I have asked for decades. If your parents had a really, or you, had a really bad car crash, would you never drive again? Your parents' marriage crashed. Why do you not drive? If your parents, let's even take the crash analogy literally. If your parents had a really bad crash, would you not drive? I, I, I don't know what to say. My instinct always is to think rationally. And so when I hear an irrational idea, I, I admit that I can't relate to it. It's not rational to say my parents got divorced. I'm afraid of getting married. It's not rational, and, and if you lead a life dictated by irrational thinking, you will not lead a, a good life or a happy life. So I just wanted to dispense with that, with that argument and, and add one more thing. There is a chance you'll divorce. A lot of people divorce. That, that is not a reason not to get married. People are so afraid of pain. It's, a, it's become a pain-averse society, a risk-averse society. And I, I'm of the opinion of no pain, no gain. I mean, it just, life has pain. The purpose of life is not to avoid pain. If you dedicate your life to avoiding pain, you will have a very shallow life. So, yes, it is quite possible that if you marry, you will divorce. And therefore, what? I, I did a show, and remember... 40 years of radio, you, you understand how much interaction that involves with people? I, I am convinced, by the way, that I have talked with, not to, with more people than any living human being in the world. I, 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 did, I did the arithmetic, and I, I can't imagine who spoke to more people. Very few people have been doing this for 40 years. And remember, I'm talking with people, not just two. And I've learned a lot. And I, I, have, I have learned how many people live lives that are, again, devoted to avoiding pain. So I did one show on this subject. I said it is better to have been married and divorced than never to have been married. And... I got a lot of calls disagreeing with me. 
I am adamantly, uh, I'm adamant about that sentiment, by the way. Better to have been married and divorced than never to have been married. See, since I don't believe that the purpose of life is to avoid pain, I think one of there are many purposes of, of life, but one of them is to lead as deep a life as possible. Marriage adds to your depth. You get deeper if you marry. Even if you marry lousy, you get deeper. It's just a fact. Ask anybody who's been married. Would you say that you are in any way at all deeper because you got married? More mature because you got married? Now, I, I admit people don't aspire to either depth or maturity today. These are terms that have no meaning to most people. It's very tragic. That's really tragic. But to the extent that they mean anything to, to you who are listening to me now, uh, they're a big deal. To, to grow up makes you grow up. So a woman called my show. This was classic. Said, I'm sorry, Dennis. I, I don't agree with you. I asked, are you married? Said, no. How old are you? 35. Said, okay, let me ask you a question. If I had two 43-year-old men that I could set you up with, I, I, I ascertain she wants to get married. And all you knew, it's all you knew, was that one had been married and was divorced, and one had never been married. Which one would you go on a date with? And I loved it. These are my favorite moments in radio. There was silence. Silence on radio is so powerful. And I, as soon as there was silence, I knew I had made my points. And she just said, yeah, you're right. She has, if she has a choice of two 43-year-old men, and all she knows is one had been married, she knows that one had already embarked on being responsible and knew how to make a commitment theoretically. I mean, we don't know anything else. But based on that, that's what we knew. So I, I am pro-marriage, and now why am I pro-divorce? I'm obviously not pro-quote easy divorce. This is a sort of somewhat dishonest argument that a lot of people give who are opposed to divorce. Oh, people divorce so easily. So here is a great story. My first radio show, which I did for 10 years in Los Angeles on ABC Radio, I was the moderator each week for two hours of a Roman Catholic priest, Protestant minister, and Jewish rabbi, different ones each week. And it was, it was great. It was a great show. It was incredibly popular. It was the most popular show in L.A., and I don't take credit for it. I, I inherited it. It got more popular, I will admit, but I already inherited this popular show, which is amazing to think that a, a show on religion would be that popular, but it was. People were curious to hear what three different religions would say. So one night I made the topic divorce. What is your view and the view of your religion on divorce? So the pastor uh, uh, spoke about 
how God has brought us together. We should try to remain together uh, almost under any circumstance. Fine. He spoke beautifully. Then the Catholic priest, of course, the Catholic Church does, does not allow you to remarry after divorce unless they annul the marriage. So obviously he took a, a very strong stance against divorce. And, and then it came to the rabbi and he too said, people get divorced too easily. Rabbi, I, I, I'm curious, do you know anybody well who's divorced? said, actually, uh, my parents. And do you feel that they divorced too easily? And he said, on the contrary, I actually think it, it sort of uh, saved my mother's life. Not literally. She, her, his father was not beating the mother, but it, it enabled her to lead a much, much, much better life. And I, then the Catholic priest, I said, Father, do you know anyone who has gone through divorce? He said, yes, my parents. Just like the rabbi, it saved my mother's life. Thank you, Father. Pastor, do you know anybody well who's divorced? Well, my brother's going through a divorce right now, Dennis. And is he, uh, is he, in, are he and his wife divorcing easily, said, I know for a fact how many attempts they have made to make the marriage work and how many marital therapists they have gone to. So I said, so you all said that people divorce too easily, but the people you know best who divorced did not divorce too easily. It made an impact on them. See, people often offer these thoughts that don't comport with the reality of their own lives. Partially because clergy are expected to say, oh, of course you don't divorce. So let me just dispense with that. There are people, maybe Hollywood stars who sort of rotate spouses. Maybe they get divorced too easily. I don't even know then. I'm not going to judge them as doing so. But that's not typical in any event. Next, here is a, an approach that you've never heard, I suspect. And it is one that I have offered on, on a number of occasions. I think that the possibility of divorce is a good thing in a marriage. Just as I think the possibility of getting fired from a job is a good thing in the workplace. If you know, just ask any of you, the most anti-divorce among you, let me ask you a question. Who is likely to work harder at a job? Someone who knows that they, they could in fact be fired or someone who knows that no matter how much they slack off, they won't be fired. Okay, it's a rhetorical question. Everybody knows that if you, if you believe you cannot be fired, no matter how poorly you do your job, you'll do your job poorly. That's human nature. That's, that's for the vast majority of people. I regard being a wife or a husband in part as a job. And I want everybody who's married to do a good job. I want women to be good wives, men to be good husbands. And if you know that no matter how lousy a job you do, 
you aren't ever going to be fired, i.e. divorced, why will you do such a good job? Why won't you take your spouse for granted if you know that no matter how, how little you do for the marriage, he's in there or she's in there no matter what? Third, I, I don't quite understand why you would think God wants us to endure an awful marriage. My view of God and this is a very deep view of mine, and I back it up in my Bible commentary because there are actually commandments to be happy. You you should uh, worship God in happiness, in joy, is actually one, one, uh, one of the great biblical principles. But there are many others which, which tell people to be happy. Why would God want two people, and by the way, often people who divorce are both good people. Not always is one a villain. Why would God want one or two good people to suffer? A bad marriage is life imprisonment. And as I've often said, I think life imprisonment should only be reserved for murderers or, or maybe child rapists or some horrific acts. Why, 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 do you, why would one think God wants you to live a life of misery for 50 years when, when you can try for something better. If you, God wants us to be happy. God doesn't want us to, uh, mar- uh, to divorce easily. I fully agree. And those who quote the line, you know, God weeps uh, with regard to divorce, God weeps with regard to war. There's a lot of weeping God God undoubtedly does with regard to the human condition. But it doesn't mean war is always wrong. So, I, 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 look, I never argue faith. I argue reason. So, if your faith says never, except with beating or, or, infidelity, you, you have to stay together. I'm not going to argue faith. But because how can you argue faith? You believe X and, and I don't believe X, then there's nothing to argue. But if we both share reason, then we can have an argument. And if we share reason, I don't see why we would think God would want us uh, in such a circumstance. I have done shows wherein I have asked people, if your parents divorced, do you think now that they were wrong? Do you regret that they did? I was stunned at how many people called to say it was a good thing they divorced the house was not a happy house or even a toxic house. It could have been worse. And I'm not talking about beatings. And by the way, let me add a counterintuitive thing. And that is, I don't believe that infidelity should lead to automatic divorce. So there's the one circumstance that many people think, okay, that legitimates divorce or legitimizes divorce. I'm not sure that that's true. 
a lot of couples have survived infidelity and actually gotten a better marriage because it brought out a lot of problems that were being swept under the rug and prompted one to, to have an affair. Unless you're married to someone who, who just goes from uh, affair to affair, which is not the norm, you're probably married to a good person who either got weak one night or responded to problems in the marriage that you were both unwilling to confront. I'm not defending infidelity, but I think it's important to understand it. Anyway, I don't think it should lead to automatic divorce. Automatic divorce, I don't even use the term normally, but if it were to apply to anything, I think it would apply to contempt. If your spouse has contempt for you, then I I think there's no hope for the marriage. There's hope after infidelity. There's not hope after contempt. So, some thoughts. A really important subject. Okay, how are we doing? Did I take up almost the whole... Uh, so we can take a question. Or we can take a video question. This is also Megan's arm. But not the original Megan. All right, here we go. Hello there, Dennis. I hope you're doing well today. My name is Jackie Ferrari. I'm, I'm current sophomore at Pepperdine University. I'm originally from Atlanta. Love watching your videos. Thank you for all that you do. Um, so my question is, I'm trying to figure out what news sources that you would suggest I go to to do research on things that are unbiased. Um, because a lot of the research I've done on different topics, such as gun laws and America being you know, one of the best countries in the world, I found stuff that goes against what conservatives are saying, and I'm trying to find, like, I absolutely agree with conservatives on those things, but I'm trying to find stuff that is unbiased. So what news sources would you recommend that actually tell the truth on those topics? Thank you so much. So that's a very fair question. The the question of unbiased news source is complex. It's very hard It should be a goal, but it's very hard to achieve unbiased news reporting where all you wish to convey to people is truth. I think truth is the most important value for a society. So I want to make that clear. It's very difficult to achieve even among people who value it, and, and then it's not valued in the mainstream media at all in the, in the United States, the, the purpose of the press is to, uh, is to push the agenda of, of progressives, as they're called. That's, that's its task, by omission and commission. It's irrelevant what you think of Donald Trump. The question is, what do you think of truth? And for two years, the the media pushed a lie that there was collusion between the Russian regime and the Trump campaign. It was just a a pure lie, 100%. And they pushed it for two years. And that's that's not uncommon. But even if you are committed to truth, what, what do you... What do you put on the front page? 
So, for example, take uh, shootings, which are, it's a horrible thing in American life, just horrible. It's a, it's, it's, it's a shame and it's a, it's a tragedy. It's everything awful. So when X number of people are shot to death, so it's called a, a mass shooting, which is, I think, four or more. But just about every weekend in New York or Chicago or Philadelphia or Los Angeles, at least four people are killed, but not in one shooting. So it, it, it doesn't, not only doesn't make headlines, it's, it's not even reported in, in most cases. So you have to decide as an editor, what, what do I even report? Let alone do I tell the truth? Truth is also an issue of what is reported. Anyway, I'm only making the point, it, it is not easy. What you should try to do is read, uh, read both sides and then use common sense. I truly believe common sense can lead anybody to the right answer. So if you watch PragerU videos or if you watch Daily Wire or if you read City Journal or Breitbart, uh, I mean, there's so American thinker, American greatness. I mean, there are so many, and I always feel guilty because I know I've missed so many PJ Media. I mean, there are so many wonderful sites. Then you will, you will hear an answer to all of these. For example, if America is systemically racist, that's why we're of such value at PragerU. We present rational arguments that refute the bombardment in the other direction. If America is systemically racist, why have 3 million black people moved to this country in, in the last 30 or 40 years? 3 million. 360,000 poor souls came over here on those hell ships and the transatlantic slave trade. 360,000. 3 million blacks have come here willingly, giving up the, everything they had back home, their friends, their home, their livelihoods, uh, their community, just to live in the land of opportunity. So I always ask this question. There were 2 million from Africa, 1 million from the Caribbean. Ask people who think this country is systemically racist, are the 3 million blacks who moved to this country in the last few decades, are they stupid? Just ask them that question. Either the country is systemically racist and they're stupid. Would you move to a place that hated you? I wouldn't. No Jews moved to Germany in the 1930s. It's a perfect example. They knew they're hated. But blacks are not hated in the United States. It's a gigantic lie. It's the greatest lie in modern history on, on a national level. And they know it. And by the way, these immigrants do extremely well. West African immigrants to the United States are one of the most successful uh, groups, ethnic groups in the United States. I think their, their median income is higher than whites, which is remarkable for a systemically racist country, isn't it? So you need to hear the arguments. It's not so much the news sources as to hear the arguments against these things. Before the 1970s, there were fewer gun laws in the United States, and, and there were not nearly as many mass shootings, let alone school shootings, 
which is also rare, let's be honest, uh, in the United States. So maybe something else changed since the 1970s. Maybe it isn't gun laws that changed. Maybe it's the breakdown of the, the moral order that existed prior to the 70s. How many people who murder people went to church the previous Sunday? What percentage? 40% of Americans go to church every week. So theoretically, if that's irrelevant to crime, 40% of murderers in prison should have gone to church that week. But they didn't. It's close to 0%. How many of them grew up with a, a father in their lives? How many murderers grew up with a father in their lives? So what do you think we need more to prevent more uh, murder in the United States? More gun laws or more fathers and more church attendance? What do you think would be more effective in reducing violent crime? More gun laws or more fathers and church attendance? It's so obvious the answer that it's, it's not something the New York Times would ever even allow printed. Or the Washington Post or LA Times or CNN. I mean, the issue is not news. The issue is arguments, is, is honesty of approach. I would happily have the, the gun law advocate on my radio show to answer these questions, and I'll answer their questions. That's fair. But they don't, they don't debate. The left doesn't debate. But uh, I would happily debate the gun issue if, if, if somebody would just answer my question. What do you think would reduce crime in America more? More fathers and more church attendance or more gun laws? So what you need, and I guess we'll have to end with this, but the, the, what you, Jackie, need is to hear these arguments it's not so much news sites as thought sites. And I, and I, and I mentioned a, a few of them. And obviously, our 500 videos, which we're very proud of. A pain-free life is not your model. And with that thought, see you next week. Thank you for watching this video. To help keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.